This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me as ever, Natalie, Kevin and James go over the last week or so's um, events at Burnley Football Club. A couple of defeats, unfortunately, to talk about and we'll mention the transfer window as well, although with the way transfers are, um, the podcast will almost immediately be out of date. I imagine something will probably happen while we're recording. Um, first up, though, we're going to start with the defeat at Accrington Stanley in the EFL Cup. Natalie, we all talked about the starting lineup before the game and we were all quite happy with it, but it was a bloody awful performance. 120 minutes of my life I'm getting <laughs> back. It's a good job it's not a long trip, really, isn't it? <laughs> no, thankfully, it's 10 minutes down the road. Um, it, do you know what? It was It was the biggest disappointment, I think, is that it was the build-up to the game was a really good build-up. And it was a, you know, it's been a long time since any of us actually genuinely looked forward to a, um, a cup, especially in the these early stages of, of the League Cup. And everybody was really buzzing when we drew Stanley. And, you know, loads of us go to Stanley as well as Burnley. And it's a great little ground and it's a great club. And everybody was really looking forward to it and it was just one of the dullest games of football I've ever seen in my entire life um, and I just for me I think it was just it was just disappointing to see 10 players who were giving who were given sorry a fantastic opportunity by that by their manager to go out there to impress and to show them why should they why they should be pushing for the first team and none of them took that opportunity, with the exception of O'Neill and Tarkovsky. The rest of them just did not look... I'm not suggesting that they didn't, that their heart wasn't in it, because that would be <laughs> kind of scandalous, but um, I, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there, and I think that, for me, was the most disappointing thing. Yeah, it's tricky. I think you've got to point out in this situation that with 10 changes, it's always difficult as players. Most of them won't have played together before. Um, a few players making their debuts like Flanagan, O'Neill's very, very raw. Um, so I don't think anyone was expecting us to go out and win 5-0, but we barely created anything uh, early too sad, which was particularly disappointing. Um, James, if there were any positives to come out of the game, though, Aidan O'Neill again looked pretty bright in midfield, and although it's arguable he's only getting a chance because of the lack of options in central midfield, he does look like a talent. Yeah, no, he, he looks like a talent. I think we said last week that 
you know, impressed in pre-season. A lot of people have been talking about him. Um, it probably is too early in his career to to expect him to play a really big part this season. But um, it's good to see that Dash feels he can trust him. And I think our Brant Brommer said um, himself and Tarkovsky both came out of the game. Reason why I thought um, I thought Michael Kite was bright early on, but there wasn't really a lot. I mean, I thought JBG was possibly the the most disappointing player there because he's looked bright coming on in the Premier League as a substitute and then he gets a chance to start and I think he was maybe, well, I was going to say the least active but I'd completely forgot about Overstad which I think sort of summed up Overstad's performance because he was the invisible man we saw at Fulham last season. Um, yeah, I think I'd second that bird. Seems to have dropped completely off the radar Overstad. It's arguable that O'Neill's ahead of him in the pecking order though. Yeah, and, and on the evidence of last week and it was a dire game, you'd have to say it's deserved because I, I think it took me half an hour to realise Overstad was even playing. Um, you know, Carly looked bright, but up front, I thought Sam Volks was very quiet early on and obviously Duke definitely seemed rusty, I'd say, from his, his recent injuries. And, you know, there was maybe a few chances where you would have expected... Yeah, you would have expected a striker to 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 get into the right position and, and make a challenge for the ball, and he didn't do that. But um, I think the most disappointing thing about it was just everything about it felt like a pre-season game. Yeah, um, absolutely. There was no tempo, no tempo in the game. No, and you know there was Atkinson with a bloody drum banging in the background, but other than that, you you couldn't tell that anyone really wanted to watch it. Um, so it wasn't just the players. I thought that. It seemed keen. I think both home and away fans were very quiet. At least they came across that way on the TV. Uh, I imagine Sky. Yeah, we were, were very quiet. I would agree with that, James. We were very quiet. Not predominantly. I imagine Sky were left sort of regretting the the choice to. to oh, yeah. that well, paper like an obvious pick, but yeah, I'm not sure they'll be rushing to book many. More Hopefully, we don't play an Atkinson team again for another century. <laughs> yes. years, yeah, John Coleman was really unhappy actually that. Accrington fans hadn't come out and support the team. I was amazed, even though it was on telly and 20 quid for a second round EFL Cup game is outrageous in my view. I couldn't believe that it still wasn't a sight. Um, Kevin, I don't know how much we can go into tactics for a game against the League 2 side, but the 4-4-2, as effective as it was against Liverpool, completely ineffective against Accrington and O'Neill and Overstad didn't really get a grip of the midfield. Uh, no, I, I, honestly, I've no idea what Overstad is doing at Burnley Football Club purely because he is never, ever, ever in his life ever. going to play ever. in a, effectively ever. in a four-four-two. Uh, we saw at Fulham how I think I think Overstad is one of the players. He's he he shows some really neat touches on the ball, um, but off the ball he's pretty diabolical, um, and so you've got. A player who just can't, who has got no off the ball side to his game at all, uh, alongside O'Neill, who shows a lot of talent, but he's 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 built like a drain uh, a drain pipe. He's he's got no strength at all at the moment, which will come. Um, but it was the it was the weakest uh, central midfield you could probably think of, um, and I think that's that's the most important area of the field for me. Central midfield is is what what links defence to attack. It brings the whole game together. Um, and when you've not, when you've got that lacking, pretty much the entire team suffers. And I think that that's what we, 
that's what was our downfall, really. We, we had no way of s- kind of stopping Stanley going forward, uh, although they did a pretty good job of stopping themselves going forward, to be honest. Um, but then w- w- whenever we did win the ball at the back, there was no way to get it forward. There was no strength in the middle, so you had um, the, the wide players having to do the job of a, a full midfield, essentially, which I think that was our, our biggest downfall. Um, not necessarily the, form, the formation of four four two, but the personnel that, that was picked in it, although uh, it, it, it goes side by side because all the stars never going to uh, play in a four four two. So it's 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 which way you go with that. Is it the personnel? Is it the is it the formation? Yeah, in front of the front, the midfield four, of course, the front two. Um... James said Sandbolts was pretty quiet. He was the only one to keep his place from the Liverpool team. Everyone else was changed. Um, Lukas Jukovic continued to look nothing like a goal scorer. It's partly confidence. I say partly confidence. It's almost completely confidence. Because obviously he scored goals before, but he just never, ever looks like he's going to score. There was one, um, I think Kitely got round the back and pulled it across. and It might have been a shot, it might have been a cross. And... Like any any striker worth the salt would have been on that ball like a flash and it's tapping and Duke was sort of hanging around behind the defender. And also, whenever we were trying to get forward, he was making runs away from goal. Like you're not going to score if you're making those runs. Um, he's been linked with various moves. We're going to try and brush over the transfer window because we are going to be out of date. But he has been linked with a move away. Natalie, I suppose it's kind of inevitable given it's I think it's now 41 appearances without scoring a goal for the club. Yeah, I think, well, is it inevitable? I mean, it is from a performance perspective. He isn't a favourite with the crowd. Um, Deitch is still supporting him and still, you know, singing his praises when he can. Um, But from a performance perspective, you look at it and you think, you know, what does he bring to the club? And, you know, he was obviously a, a poor purchase and we should just offload his wages as soon as possible. Saying that, if we sell him and we don't replace him, that leaves us kind of light up front. Now, obviously, we've brought Bamford in, which no doubt we'll go on to talk about shortly. But I still, I'm still a little bit, even though it is Djokovic, I'm still a little bit nervous about us um, getting rid of players in this window, considering the disappointing incomings that we've had. Yeah, I think that's. We'll do Bamford now actually before moving on um, to the Chelsea game. This, a move that had been trailed in the build up to the Chelsea game was eventually confirmed after the Chelsea game. Uh, a guy who's done very well in the Championship for Derby and Middlesbrough, but not so well in the Premier League, hasn't scored a Premier League goal yet, despite having spells at Crystal Palace and Norwich City last season. Hasn't had a lot of opportunities, it's fair to say. He's only started a few games, but. Perhaps an attitude thing. He was kicking off at, at Palace because he wasn't getting enough games, which maybe not the right way to go about it as a young player. Um, James, what do you make of, of this signing? A season-long loan and our second one, so it means there's no chance of a, a dramatic late loan move on deadline day. Um, I think it's an interesting one. I think this is the type of player that maybe you would have expected us to get last season in the Championship. You know, a, a young player from one of the top teams who's not going to get in their side, but needs to go out and prove themselves as a, a goal scorer. Um, mainly, I'm just looking forward to the, all the, the puns that will come on Twitter when he scores his first goal, you know, along the lines of bam. Um, can't wait for that. That'd be great if he scores, obviously, because, I mean, he could end up playing 20 minutes every three weeks and uh, we might never get to see much of him. But you'd expect that 
he's been brought in with the opportunity to get a reasonable amount of game time. Yeah, you, you would think that also with with an eye on a possible suspension for Andre Gray, which we talked about on the podcast last week, um, Gray due to respond to charges by Wednesday, so there should be an update on that soon. I'm no doubt we'll cover that in a future podcast. Um, Natalie, with the strikers that have gone out of the club, um, Hennings and, Lo- and Long both on loan. Bamford, probably an upgrade on those, but would you like to see something a little bit different? What's what's your reaction to this signing? Um, it's it's a positive signing, and, and actually, I'm trying not to let our um, judgment be clouded by the feeling that anybody coming in would just be a relief, because obviously there's some frustrations over the um, disappointing transfer window so far. So it's very easy for us all to just go, oh yes, there's a player come in, and and you know, great, without actually dissecting it and just checking, like you say, if he is the right player for the squad and he is going to to cover the positions that we need him to. Um, I think it's very positive that we have signed a striker. He can play as an out-and-out centre-forward. He can also play as an attacking midfielder. So I think Dyche likes his players who can be versatile he likes players who can come in and cover uh, when needs be and I think that was probably what attracted him to um, Bamford I went away and did a little bit of research for us oh, and research. I, I did I spoke to a Borough fan for us ahead of this week's podcast just to get a feeling from them um, as to what we can expect from him um, the feedback straight away was in, was incredibly positive. Um, a big fan favourite um, at Borough. I think they really liked him. He was nominated for Championship Player of the Season whilst he was with Borough. Scored a lot of goals. And um, the Borough fan I spoke to spoke very, very highly of him. Um, I think he mentioned... Now, I, I somebody might need to fact-check me on this one because I don't know the ins and outs of this. Oh, but he so seems... much for the research. <laughs> Sorry, ran out of time. Uh, worst research ever. Um, he did say that at one point he did pick up an injury and he did believe that he hasn't looked quite as sharp and his return back to play. He also brought a bit of a caveat to the um, praise that is heaped upon him by saying that he is an outstanding championship player but has yet has not been proven in the in the Premier League sorry so he did sort of give those words of warning now he is a Borough fan so you know we might have to put that along the uh, little niggle um, and winding us up shelf but on the whole (laughs) exactly Uh, but on the whole yeah the the reaction was very very positive and it made me quite excited to see what he can do for us yeah he actually won the the player the championship player of the year award and it means we could potentially have three Three in a row, Danny Ings, Patrick Bamford, Andre Gray. Did he, win, did he win it in the end? He did win it, he did win it. Cause, um, did he get nominated twice then? I don't know, but he definitely won it in between Ings and Gray because there was a, a Dave Roberts tweet which I'm hopeful was not lined up for Tweet of the Week, otherwise I'd just ruin the surprise. It, it was, was lined up for Tweet champ- of the Week. Yeah. Well, you have to find another one you've got about Tweet. Pokemon Go Championship Player of the Year edition, got to catch them all. I quite like that one. Um, Kevin Patrick Bamford as James and Natalie's borough friend points out someone who's got a lot to prove seems to fit the the dash mold in that respect. Um, it does, yeah. Um, and but I think it's also clear that he's got he's got some talent in there. Um, is it he's not showing his talent because he's not had the opportunities, or he's not been given the opportunities because he's not quite um, got it in him to. To, to make it in the Premier League, we, we don't really know. Um, I'm sure we'll find out in the next few months, and hopefully, it's uh, hopefully it's the former. Um, 
I've seen a few a few Norwich and Palace fans saying maybe lacked a little bit a bit of bottle with them last season, um, which you could maybe say because he he left uh, left Palace uh, after not playing much. I think there's probably two ways you can look at that. One is that he couldn't bottle it, and but the other side is that maybe he's got he's got that ambition. He was he was not interested in playing six games in four or five months or whatever it was. Uh, he wanted to go out there and really show that he he can uh, make an impact, and it, it's a if you look at his record of last few years, it's kind of a, a waste, really. Um, given how 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 well he played in the championship, um, to to be pretty pretty much playing no football at all um, for the last couple of years. So hopefully um, he can come through and 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 be good good backup for us. I'm not sure he'll he's going to be starting games. Certainly not to begin with, um, but he's certainly going to be. A lot better backup than the likes of Djokovic. Uh, I hope, anyway. It sounds awful that uh, like Norwich and Palace fans can say he likes bottle when between them he got like, well, he got six sub appearances and two starts. But surely the counter argument to that is that he was obviously not that impressive in training if he wasn't getting a chance. I mean, yeah, potentially, potentially. But I mean, you know, he's got a decent goal scoring record when he has been getting starts in the Championship, so. Um, you know, you'd think he's got more to offer if you if you let him, you know, have a chance. Yeah, well, like I say, I, th- I think he'll probably get a run, assuming that Gray does get a suspension, which looks to be on the cards. Moving on then to the Premier League game that we've got to cover this week on the podcast. Three 0 defeat at Chelsea. Burnley not really in the game, especially after Eden Hazard scored a very good opening goal, and it was pretty much one way traffic. After that, an excellent performance from Tom Heaton helped to keep the score down nicely. And really, not much you can say about Burnley's performance other than it was only 3 0. <laughs> yeah, we've said that, haven't we, this season? We said, oh, it's only 1 0, it was only 3 0. Um, yeah, it was a disappointing result. It, it, it's one of the things that you um, have to put up with with the roller coaster that is a Premier League season. You can go from incredible highs um, when you get a bonus result like um, a home win against Liverpool to come crashing down to earth a week later. I, I'm, I'm not putting too much. Um, emphasis on the result just purely because it's games like Chelsea where that are going to be pretty much irrelevant as to whether or not we stay in the Premier League or not. They aren't going to dictate our season and they aren't going to um, define our odds of staying up. So in that respect, uh, we were probably always going to lose away at Chelsea. Fine, we move on. The, The niggle for me is the manner in which they were defeated. I mean, Let's be realistic here. If Burnley had played their absolute best game, but Chelsea played their best game, then we probably still would have, you know, the result would have still been the same. We probably would have still lost. But for me, they seemed a little bit out of sorts and they they looked scared. Now, I spent the first couple of podcasts this season saying that I was really um, heartened by how confident and how calm the players had looked in the opening two games and how they'd started to play like they believed that they were Premier League players and they believed that they deserved to be there. And that all seemed to go on, on Saturday. And I don't really know why. Maybe it was just because it was the first away game and that somehow um, got into their psyche. But it was, that was kind of disappointing to see. And I would hope that um, Deitch kind of settles their nerves and, and, and builds up a little bit of confidence for them. Yeah, I think it's a tough one, this, because Chelsea were good, I think. Um, the guy next to me at work was watching this game. He was a Chelsea fan. He was raving about how amazing they were. But 
kind of felt we made it quite easy for them at times. We weren't very assured at the back in possession. We were pretty atrocious considering how little of the ball we'd had against Liverpool, but how well we used it, which is obviously the important thing, not the possession statistic. I felt like we gave the, gave the ball away very cheaply. It didn't really stick up front. And defensively, we were a, a bit of a shambles at times, to be honest, and it could have easily been 5-6-7-0 if it wasn't for, for Heath and I think. But, James, at the end of the day, these aren't the games that are going to make the difference at the end of the season, is it? It's just... Um, one that you chalk up to experience and see what we can learn from it, really. Yeah, I don't think anyone would uh, really complain you know, about getting away with only a 3-0 defeat at, at Chelsea when you know they've looked so strong so far early in the season. And you know, I think any of the games away to, to big sides, sort of the Chelsea's, Arsenal, City's, United's, really it's more damage limitation than going expecting anything out of them. Um you know, I think it's important, obviously, that the sides that we expect to sort of be in the bottom six with us, that we don't get beat by them, and obviously that we we pick up as many points as we can at home, and that's I think that's the key to survival in this league. Yeah, Kevin, not a great performance from from Burnley again. O'Neill did quite well coming off the bench, but <laughs> I keep asking you about the formation. But is this the sort of game where maybe five in midfield would make a bit more sense, try and make it a bit harder to break us down? There's not much point in playing two strikers if you're not getting the ball to them at all, is it? No, and that was I think that was quite quite evident was the fact that we, we it was almost entirely um Chelsea come at, coming at us and I I I I can't remember seeing the seeing the strikers much at all in the entire game really. We just struggled to get the ball anywhere remotely near them. Um probably various reasons why that happened. Um but I think this is that was one of the games where you, you probably you wanted us to be a little bit more flexible. I think we talked last season about well the last time we were Premier League quite a lot that it's you know find the, the four four two has worked for us quite quite well in in certain circumstances. So I think Sean Dyche is always going to stick with that. And whatever we we can talk we can talk the weeks, um, but it, it's pretty irrelevant talking about changing four four two. But I think what we do need to be is to be able to be a little bit more flexible. And I think that's what we lacked last time. And hopefully this was the sort of game where you think, look, we need to we've started with four four two, but we need to, you know, change things about a little bit. Um and it 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 didn't happen. Um we were hard done by a little bit in the fact that I think our our game plan probably in, relied a little bit more on holding out for a little bit longer than we did. Uh maybe hoping Chelsea would start to start to get frustrated. Uh but when we conceded so early into the game. That that was always going to be it for us. I, I, there was the way we set up, and I think the way we were approaching the game, uh, and also the way that Chelsea approached the game. They they grew with confidence after the goal, uh, and we almost looked like we didn't quite know what to do anymore because our, our game plan had been wiped apart. Um, so I think like like you like Natalie and, and James said, it's one of those games. It's it's a bonus really. Uh, Chelsea away. Yeah, I think one one of the notable things for me was I felt Stephen Defoe really struggled, um, especially comparing to, to how well he had played at Liverpool. Everyone was extremely excited about him and maybe Chelsea tempered those expectations a little bit. Obviously, it's early days for Defoe. He's only played two games in English football. It does seem a bit strange to me that he's only fit to play 55 minutes for us, but he's going to go and play for Belgium. If he's only fit to play 55 minutes, I don't understand why he's not staying 
at Burnley and working on his fitness levels. But I suppose um, coming to Burnley and playing regular football was to get back into the Belgium squad. So he certainly got what he was after. Um, there, Natalie, was there anything else we can learn from this, or is it just a case of Chelsea just being too good on the day? Yeah, I mean, what what can you say? You know, we're not expected to, and we probably won't ever beat um, a Chelsea side that are very much um, trying to make up for a disappointing season by their standards last season. And they certainly have come out all guns blazing this season. And they look like they've got the hunger and the desire back to pretty much destroy any team that gets in their way. So I'm genuinely not paying too much attention to the result. We've covered it and we've said, you know... it. We have to, we have to work on our own confidence, and we have to work on our own um, game plan, and not make it too easy for them. Otherwise, you know, you've got to you've got to keep that winning mentality in your brain. And you know, we've had two disappointing results this week: one which we probably expected to, and one that we didn't expect to. And just think, get back to winning ways, and don't let that element of doubt creep into your mind because it's going to be a long old season. And if you start doubting yourself now, then we're going to be in for a tough slog. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone's particularly upset about losing to to Chelsea, but as you say, I think the manner of it was a teensy little bit concerning. The way that we were constantly under pressure and didn't really seem to cope with it. But yeah, I think Chelsea's going to be right up there. Predicted them to win the title at the start of the season. They won three out of three, so they certainly um, started very well. And I'm sure there will be teams will lose by more than three notes at Stamford Bridge this season. Um, moving on then, although I've already done my my tweet of the week. Um, over to Natalie for the official sort of tweet of the week. Tweet of the week, 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 tweet of the week. Indeed, and as Jamie's quite rightly said, our original tweet of the week has been somewhat taken away from us by Jamie. Testing out those research skills in your mind. Exactly. In joint first place in a very hastily <laughs> changed um, tweet of the week this week. Now, this one comes with a little bit of d- disclaimer. And I would like to say to all our listeners now, this is a joke. This is funny. <laughs> it made me laugh. I don't want this week's tweet of the week to suddenly result in me getting absolutely battered with tweets from you all saying, don't be so negative, wait till the end of the window, we don't know what we're going to... I know, I get it all. This week's tweet of the week is a little bit of a nod to all the Burnley fans out there who are frustrated, understandably, with the lack of transfer activity, but there have been some slightly over-the-top reactions to that those frustrations and one that we do not condone on the Known and Ever podcast. So this week's Tweet of the Week goes to AJC, who is Ginger Claret, who simply tweeted, Next time my season ticket is due for renewal, I might wait until deadline day, then offer 70% of the asking price. And that made me laugh. So, well done. Thank you. Yeah, well selected, well chosen. I think there were quite a lot of good ones, and you could have done. There were some good ones, yes. You could have done over ten tweets of the week, which James is a massive fan. He loves it when you do that, don't you, James? I I love a good long list. (laughs) It just means he can go off and make a sandwich or play PlayStation for a bit or make a cup of tea. Even though we've only done it once in the whole of non in (laughs) history, but whatever. Anyway. Do, do keep your tweets coming in listeners and don't forget I, I need material to work with so don't be disappointed mate. Keep you know you've done your homework and I like it but keep it up <laughs> I love it when Natalie demands good tweet like send me good tweet <laughs> that was quite, really hard. That was quite intimidating <laughs> 
stand the game. I was after every single game. After every, after every time something happens, I have to literally troll through the Twitter clarets and the UTC and the uh, all the different hashtags that everybody uses just to try and find them. And after a result last Stanley, I was like, I can't use any of these. Like, come on, guys, like give me something to work with. Plus so the moral of the story is, if we don't use the Stanley this week, might be a bit better. <laughs> Moving back to the transfer windows, as I've just mentioned, we are going to be out of date quite quickly, so we'll try and keep it. Um, general hopefully this will be out um, Wednesday morning which will give us the whole deadline day to get out of date um, at, th- at this point Kevin DeFore, Bamford the most recent arrivals I think everyone's hoping for more midfielders at least what is it you are hoping for in the last 24 hours or so of the window um, yeah so, certainly uh, midfielders like at least uh, at least one central midfielder um i ideally another one um i think we need someone else out wide and i'd like someone else at the back as well um i think we we've we've got some decent players some decent players at the back uh but not a lot of strength if you if you've got one of keen um if keen or, or me get injured then you've got tarkovsky coming but then nobody nobody to come in for him so that's a big area for me and i'd certainly expect us to um, to bring in a, a another another centre back, hopefully, not seen many whispers online about uh, central midfielders we've been linked with. Uh, sorry, central defenders we've been linked with. Um, I don't know if I've missed anything there, but hopefully by the time that you guys are listening to this podcast, we might have signed somebody there. Um, uh, that seems like um, Kevin Longley's um, cover at the moment. So I don't know if we'd go for anyone. Obviously, the Tarkovsky to come in. Um, as well, James, the two big names that we've been talking about all summer, Hendrick and Stevens, both potentially still on the cards, but anywhere else you'd like us to go? Um, isn't time we bring back uh, Lansbury? Oh, bloody hell. I would not oh, be that, surprised. That surface today. Someone, someone oh, will definitely oh. post tweets about it, whether or not I, it's absolutely rubbish it, or uh... not. I've heard he was seen in the turf chippy. Getting out of <laughs> I, I've been, you know, I don't like to say them in the know or anything as we do like to say. Them. <laughs> Hashtag, <laughs> no, no, no. Hashtag Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I have been told that that is an absolute no-go. There is no way Lansbury. I think it keeps getting brought up by um, a few of these nonsense fake transfer rumour accounts. But I can't deal with another Lansbury transfer window. Uh, like. Exclusive I mean, information on the run another podcast. And we're going it's to be anyone. discredited forever if Henry signs. <laughs> yeah, if he signs that now, I'm done. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> you have it here, guys. I will hand in my resignation to the podcast. By the way, while, while we're having a go at Natalie, are you going to explain yourself? Um, what did you predict? Oh, crap. <laughs> she thought she got away with it. Can you believe this? She I certainly did. Okay, last week we did definitely. What was definitely the deal? What was the deal? You were never going to do it again if if we lost to Stanley. Was that it? No, 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 no. I said I, I did <laughs> the reverse psychology for the league game, but I went positive for Stanley and said we were going to comfortably win something like three nil. And I remember saying at the end of it something like, "This is going to prove if we lose to Stanley, this is going to be a social experiment. That's going to prove that uh, reverse psychology works." Because and yeah, I, I, what, I'll be honest, what did you yeah. predict for Chelsea? Because it's like. That's... It lose yeah but we were always going to lose to Chelsea it kind of doesn't work this season I know that but honestly I got so many harsh tweets from our listeners going good Bromley like, it's your fault like, it sounds, sounds deserved to be honest yeah, honestly I got so much abuse from, from the Stanley game I was like look I've just sat through 120 minutes of this I don't need this but so, apologies listeners I will no longer be positive 
Uh, on on signings though, uh, to be serious rather than just say Lansbury, I think I'm uh, going to shut you right down if you say spend money for spending money's sake. Honestly, I no, no, absolutely It would be nice to see us bringing a winger if you know Michael Carty can't get on. There's been talk of Albert Adorma. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Adorma. I think he's a good player. Nine million though. There was yeah, nine million was the the fee suggested this... from a hashtag ITK account, which seems ludicrous. Well, uh, the, the trusted source on Twitter which <laughs> immediately sets up alarm bells for me <laughs> on whether they are trusted. Says Hendricks could could rise to twelve million if, with add-ons. Considering how much we paid for Defoe, that is it is crazy, insane. Man. I mean, there was one this week. I don't think it's going to happen in the end, but there was talk of someone paying seven million, I think, for Vicente Ibarra who's Sevilla's captain and has won the Europa League three years in a row. <laughs> he was going to be £7 million, which is less than Hendrik and Stevens. Um, I've yeah, just seen as well... Uh, insane. Um, I've just seen somewhere, and I'm just going to try and find it now for you, but I'm pretty sure I've heard somewhere tonight that Villa have bought a player off Bristol um, for £15 million. That is a championship. £11 million that, that's... rising to £15 million. Yeah. Is it, and they've oh, already quite, signed. Uh, is it Kajaya? Is that how you pronounce Kodja, it? Kodja. Kodja. Yeah, they've it, already signed Ross for 10, 11, 12 yeah. million. So they've now got a £27 million strike force. Exactly. That's championship. That's I really hope they finish 14th. If we want to talk really ridiculous money wise, I've seen this rumour that Chelsea are going back in for. David Luiz. For a £20 million, million. profit. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you, if that comes off, that's an outstanding I'll take you off your hands, he's rubbish. She's just, oh, it, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And this talk Jordan Rhodes is going to leave Middlesbrough, so how much no is he going to go really? for this time around? Yeah, and... and he'd only go to the Championship Club because obviously it's not Premier League class. So is that is that legit, that Jordan Rhodes rumour? Yeah, they don't want him. Like, they, they, they don't want him. They got promoted. The, 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 the rumour goes that, that Karanka so. never wanted him. Yeah, and it was a board signing. Yeah, yeah he was that given. Kroenke spent all of last season slagging him off, didn't he? Pretty much. Like, yeah, all... that's true. It was his motivational tactic. We've got to stop talking about Borough because all the fans will be accusing us of being obsessed. Um, Kevin, on, on transfer rumours, um, I keep thinking that people are going to get wise and stop believing everything that they see on the internet. But it's been worse than ever this summer. Is that a, a byproduct of? Burnley's lack of activity, the fact that there's more money being spent by everyone else than ever before. Why is it that there's so much crap being posted online and everyone just believes it as if it's gospel? Every single time I log on to the No They Never Twitter, see somebody retweet an in the no account, I swear my faith in humanity dies by another like five or ten percent. What on <laughs> earth is going? The worst ones. The, wor- the worst ones of one these guys are pretending to be agents. It's like, oh, I'm a. I saw one today. Who, who said I'm a. I'm a big football agent, and I'm, yeah, his picture with Paul Paul Pogba signing a signing a contract, um, and he was giving out with football rumors as if just, as if people sense. believe Why that would a Paul football agent be spending their time posting rumors on Twitter instead of representing like... their clients and counting all their money. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It is it, it is quite amazing and yeah it's it's I, there was one today I think there was within the space of five minutes um, one in the no account tweeted that um, 
Stevens had told Brighton he does not want to come to Burnley. And four or five minutes later, another Invernor account had tweeted that Stevens was definitely wanted to come to Burnley. He told Brighton he wants to leave right away. Yeah, that was some youth. So it was, um, well, one of them might yeah. be right. So, yeah. I think I, I will never. I believe the one of the only thing people can really trust, I think, are the, the local journalists. So we've been reading uh, the, the, soon after that happened with the, the Stevens tweet. We've had the story come out from the uh, Brighton Argos. Argos? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's at the Brighton Argos. What can you tell us? Well, the the jewellery's 50% off this weekend, so get yourself down ever a bargain. I want, them, Thanks, I want whoever signs outside Brighton Argos to sign the contract with those little blue pencils. <laughs> Do you think? They're not trustworthy at all, those little blue pens. No, I won't be with that either. Carry on, <laughs> the Brighton Argos. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the... Um... Yeah, I think the local media are the ones who actually know what's happening. Um, so if if they're not saying anything and the, the no accounts are, then I mean, yeah, like 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 I think James said that all the Inverno accounts coming up with Lansbury again, which is, um, yeah, just not going to happen. Let's just throw a lot of shit at the wall and see what sticks. And it is, and, then, and what the thing is, they throw these out, and then if 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 they don't if they don't actually come off they'll delete them yeah, and exactly. once they do come off they can oh, say oh I tweeted this a week ago I think a lot of it is down to just Burnley are great at, at the content that they do put out there on social media and you know we get a lot of, of stuff on a daily basis that we can review and read and watch videos but when it comes to transfer business we are really 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 quiet and there's just zero information coming out of the club and you know they really do close ranks until the deal is done and I think that that really goes against the fans desires to yeah. get information it's on an right hourly basis it, in a way it is yeah it does fuel this nonsense because people are so desperate for want to believe everything yeah and plus as well you do also have people, the... have we signed anyone have we signed anyone i'm pretty sure they'll announce it like when we sign someone they're not gonna like keep it a secret like as soon as something happens they'll tell you but what do you want them to say like it's just a, it's a always a great conspiracy, isn't it? If um, if Daz goes for an evening out, it's like, well, that's it. Not going to make a signing. <laughs> yeah, Daz has gone for his team. The club can write a press release and post it online. Yeah, it's very all, very insane. It was when they said the the offices were closed for the bank holiday. It's like, wow, that's it. Then there's no one going <laughs> yeah, to transfer. There's no deals. one in the ticket office. We can't possibly do a transfer deal. <laughs> so I'm yeah. sure. That that one was that was particularly true because everyone wanted, everyone was so outraged that we weren't going to sign him, so everyone wanted to, sit to hand the season ticket back, but we couldn't do because it was closed. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, how do you guys feel about the transfer window in general, like the, the deadline day? Are you a yay or a nay? Because I know some people love it. I, I used to like it, but I think um, people have now forgotten about the true meaning of transfer deadline day. It's become a bit over commercialised. <laughs> God. I, I can't wait until the day someone mounts a legal challenge against transfer windows. Free movement and that. Yeah. Oh, I think transfer windows are great. I think there's so much I think it adds so much more excitement. You've got you've got days like you know, you've got then you've got this, this week and we're building up to the deadline and it's just I think it's so much more exciting than just being able to you know, we'll Halfway through November, doing craps, let's, yeah. let's sign someone else. I don't have a problem with the window, but I think it should close before the season starts. Oh, it shouldn't open in January, but then, 
But then you get into what if, you know, five of your players break the legs, then... Yeah, I was going to say... It's I, a bit I unfair, don't isn't it? So yeah, just maybe not do a month, maybe do a shorter players. one in January. I really think one day, though, someone is going to, you know, they're going to have been tapped up mid-season. Bosman-style, someone will... You know, they could double the, the money. And they'll be like, wait, why can't... If there's a team who want to pay for me and they want to double my money, why can't I move now? Why do I have to wait? And that's how it'll unravel. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, the thing for me is that the transfer window comes and it's just constant transfer stories and there's so much desire and and demand for it that you can put anything out there and people are going to lap it up whether or not it's got any basis in truth. And it, it means that coverage in general suffers for it I think because the transfer stories are what gets all the hits and it's all people seem to want to read so there's no there's no encouragement to do proper Sky football, don't help it. either just on the basis no, I mean, on, on Sky, deadline yeah, Sky have made yeah. deadline to help they've been doing of course adverts for deadline thing. for weeks exactly and I think that the nighttime show that there is I do wonder the cynic in me does wonder whether there is um, I do wonder whether there is some unwritten pressure on clubs to get the deals done and announced during the live show. The ske- <laughs> I'm very sceptical approach here, but I do wonder whether, you know, because if, if if all the clubs did their deals two weeks into the, the transfer window and there was nothing to report on deadline day, that entire show with Jim White coming in with the girls flanked on the arm and everybody in yellow, that would be redundant. And Sky is the biggest contributor financially to the Premier League. So there is the cynic in me that does wonder how much of the deadline day, you yeah. know, how much a pressure the throng to do the signing. manufactured, but I think it's all also the the frenzy I think the frenzy gets built up the course we get to deadline day and I think clubs especially this summer when there's so much money sloshing around it it's not like clubs would go well we might be tempted but we can't afford it everyone can afford it if we wanted to panic and go out we wouldn't we're not going to but if we wanted to we could panic and probably spend 15 20 million on one player and pay him 50 grand a week we could probably do that but we're not going to but I think there's so much money that there's going to be some very, very mad stuff happen on Wednesday. I don't think too much of it's going to involve us. Right, so that's all we've got time for on this week's No One Ever podcast. If you do have any feedback, comments, questions, whatever, please do get in touch. You can email us, podcast at knownandever.net. It's still the email address, probably always will be the email address. You can also tweet us at knownandever.net. Thanks to James, Natalie and Kevin for joining me. Thanks also to Rick, who does the artwork which you may have seen on social media or however you get um, the podcast every week. Rick has been doing the art for a while and we always forget to thank him, so thanks to Rick. And also thanks to Adam, who you'll know, he's been on the podcast lots of time, who does the editing for us. But that's it for this week's podcast. Thanks for listening and we will be back sometime next week to go over Transfer Deadline Day. Goodbye. Stanley bad, Chelsea bad. Transfer's bad. See you next week. Um. No. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.